Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, uh, verse 11, a short passage today. Finally, brothers and sisters, goodbye. This is at the end of the letter of 2 Corinthians. Finally, brothers and sisters, goodbye. Put things in order. Respond to my encouragement. Be in harmony with each other and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Lord, uh, open our minds today to think about you and how we relate to you in new and different ways. Would you stretch us a little, Lord? Take us a little deeper. Uh, Help us to think new thoughts and, and, and in new ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've ever heard somebody who was really hungry say, I could eat a horse. But I've never actually seen horse for sale at the grocery store or on a menu. Uh, Or maybe you've been with somebody that just seemed distracted or they're daydreaming and you've said they just seemed a million miles away, but they were just right across the table or sitting with you in the car or on a couch. Or or maybe somebody that tends to think a little independently. We might say, they march to the beat of their own drummer. You've heard that, right? Whether they march or play the drum is insignificant, right? We get it. Or when we're talking about the whole thing, the whole schlamazel, right? We might say, the whole enchilada, right? Whether we're eating Mexican or not. We call these metaphors, right? Metaphors. They don't necessarily communicate actual factual things. They kind of create an image, if you will. They compare things that aren't obviously alike and yet stretch us to think about them in some new way. Helene Schumacher is a writer for the BBC. She says, metaphors are woven intricately into the tapestry of language, and without them, it would be a dull, threadbare piece of cloth. But aside from infecting, injecting color and imagery into language, metaphors serve a functional purpose. They can explain complex concepts we may not be familiar with, help us to connect with each other, and can even shape our thought process, processes. They help us better understand our world. So we get it. Nobody literally means they're going to dine on an entire horse. But we get it, I'm so hungry, I could eat something enormous. We get it, even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The Bible is full of metaphors, isn't it? God is referred to by a whole variety of metaphors. God's a warrior, God's a fortress, God's a rock, God is a rock that is higher than me, God is a strong tower, God is a father, 
God is a mother hen, right? We get these images of God through Scripture. They're metaphors. Jesus used metaphors and parables to describe the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price. Kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. The kingdom of God is like an enormous mustard tree that grew up unexpectedly in a garden. The kingdom of God is like a lost sheep like, right? These are, these are comparisons. They're metaphors. Revelation tries to tell us about heaven, saying it's like a city coming down from heaven with streets of gold and gates of pearl. Is heaven literally a, a city with streets of gold? Maybe. Or maybe it's just trying to tell us that it will be spectacular, right? So we're going to use metaphors in this series. Specifically, we're going to use music as a metaphor for understanding God more deeply, and more importantly, our relationship with God, how we live out this relationship with God. Now, now the danger with metaphors is, if you're not familiar with the comparison, you may get lost, right? I could say, I could, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, but if you've never seen a horse, that doesn't mean a whole lot, right? Uh, or the whole enchilada, if you've never had Mexican food, it doesn't mean anything. So I'm kind of banking on you having some musical knowledge. Anybody middle school band? Anybody? Anybody middle school chorus? Anybody mom invested in song voice lessons that she shouldn't have? Anybody? No. Okay. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that some of this will make sense to you. I want to thank Aaron and Megan and Jason Locker. They've been coaching me a little bit so that we can uh, hopefully explain this in a way that is true and makes sense. Today I want to talk about being in tune with God, in tune with with God. So if you've ever heard a symphony or an orchestra, uh, when it begins, you know, the lights dim, you know, something's about to happen. The, the conductor steps up to their podium, they take their baton, and they tap, right? It gets everybody, everybody's quiet. And then somebody steps up in the orchestra or the, or the um, symphony, and they play a note, the letter A usually. Why do they do that? Because then everyone tunes, right? Then it takes a moment before the first, you know, song is played, piece of music is played. Everyone tunes their instruments. You see, everybody in the orchestra, the symphony, could play an A, but everyone being off a little bit. Some instruments, the A sounds a little high. We call that sharp. Or sometimes the A sounds a little low. We call that flat. Anybody ever watch American Idol? You ever heard the judges say, you're a little pitchy? That means they're singing the right note, but it's a little, it's a little bit off. So the, we begin, like this is how the conductor begins. Get everybody in tune by playing an A, by playing an A, <laughs> and everybody accordingly. I didn't warn them for that. Okay, keep that in mind, an A. So there's an interesting, a little bit kind of obscure, probably unfamiliar verse in the Old Testament from the book of Zephaniah. Anybody read Zephaniah this week? It's in the Old Testament. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior bringing victory. He will create calm with his love. He will rejoice over you with what? Singing. There's two metaphors there. Did you catch them? Interesting mixed metaphor. One, God's a warrior, and one, God's a singer. Let's focus on the one where God is a singer. He will rejoice over you with singing. It gives God joy to sing over us. I love that image. Now, the image that I have, I don't know what you're thinking of, but the image I have is like a parent singing for their baby. Anybody do that? 
as you're holding your baby, either to calm your baby or just to, buy, you know, to bond with your baby. I would take my kids on walks. They would be in this little thing on my front, right? And I'd sing to them as we go, right? Just singing over them. And then as we grow, sometimes we invite our you know, children to sing with us, right? As they become verbal, they start singing these familiar songs with us. So I want you to get that image today. God is a singer and God is singing over us And God is inviting us to join in the song. And we're going to try it. Let's just do a simple song like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And let's sing it together. Yeah, join me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Possible band members in the room. Yeah, you see? Find me yeah we're paying okay. attention. We're paying attention. So, what we just did was what we call melody. We basically all sang the same thing. You didn't. We didn't need to tell you now that the second note's going to be an A or a B or whatever it is. You knew it. You listened to it. You've heard it. You sang along. We all basically sang the exact same thing. That musically is called melody. Most of the songs we sing in here, we sing the melody. We are all singing the same part. Now, spiritually, I think that has application. That a lot of us begin our spiritual lives by imitation, by listening and doing. This is what I'm supposed to do. I do it. I obey. We've all heard the expression, imitation is the best form of flattery, right? We imitate it. A child imitates their parent and learns to sing the song that way. Take it biblically. Paul said to, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example just like I follow Christ. Paul said, I'm going I'm to make it easier for you, for you. Just do what I do. Just follow me. You know, just, just follow my example. I think it was Billy Graham who said, but I'm not positive. Somebody said it. The Bible says it. God means it. I do it. Right? Just keep it simple. Right? We've heard that. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? Just just do it. Just follow the instructions. Don't complicate it. And by the way, most of any of you who are teachers, most of us who have been parents, that's kind of how we parent our children, isn't it? I said it, do it, right? It's simple, right? Just keep it simple. Why? Because I said so, right? That's, that's it, right? But here's the thing. That's a place kind of a basic simplicity. We start there, but most of us kind of move beyond. At some point, children want to know but why, right? Well, why? We want to begin to understand the complexities of things. So Jesus Loves Me is just a simple song. You knew it by heart. I bet I didn't even need it on the screen, right? We just, we just know it. But probably most of you, like if I went and checked out your music collection or what you listen to on the radio or the concerts you go to, probably you're listening to something a little more complex, something that's a little bit more mature. Now, if we were in the sanctuary, I'd have you open up a a hymnal right now. And what you'd notice is that any song in the hymnal is written actually with multiple notes and sometimes even different lines. So if you see there, there's a bar above the words. That's the ladies part. That's the altos and the sopranos. Those are the higher notes. And then the lower notes are the men's notes, bass 
and tenor, right? And so most of the songs we sing in the, in the, um, in the traditional service are written in what they call four-part, anybody know? Harmony. Harmony is, is multiple notes sung together for something a little richer. So let's imagine for a moment we could do Jesus Loves Me in melody. Or we could do it in harmony. Multiple notes, a little richer, isn't it? A little more meaningful. Or let's go back to, I said that uh, we, we tune with the letter A. Or you could play an A chord, which is A, C sharp, and E, three. Right? It's, it's richer. It's fuller. It's, it's a bit more complex, right? Now, just a side note. If we believe God is a trinity, three persons, then would it be a, would it be a far analogy to say that God that rejoices singing over us is singing already in a three-part harmony, right? Three voices, so here's the spiritual implication. What if God invites us to bring not just our obedience and not just doing in line and not just imitation, but there's actually an opportunity for us, each one of us, to bring our unique voice. So just thinking in terms of music, I have a deep voice. I sing bass. I only sing bass. I can't sing tenor or alto or soprano. I can only, and sometimes when you sing melody, I find I can't sing that high. I can't get up there, right? What if, spiritually speaking, God is inviting us all to bring our unique voice to create something that's more beautiful, more complex, more rich? Back to the passage I read earlier, Paul says to the church in Corinth, be in harmony with each other. Live in peace, and God of love and peace will be with you. He's not talking about when you get together for the choir, sing in harmony. He's talking about living harmoniously together. But harmony requires difference. It requires diversity. You don't get harmony unless there are different voices contributing to the tune. Paul talks about, he says, don't you know that all of you are members of the body of Christ, but we're all different members. He compares us to a body that has different parts and different functions doing different things, and we depend on each other. Just as in harmony, a harmony is dependent upon different voices, different tones that complement each other. Now let's take it a step further. So we've got melody, we've got harmony, which is a bit more complex, but I want to take it to a place that might seem a little strange. Sometimes, if we're thinking about community and harmony in a community, sometimes we are out of sync with each other, right? Sometimes we don't always function harmoniously. I don't mean us, we do, of course, but, you know, people sometimes step on each other's toes. Sometimes we conflict. Sometimes we get out of tune, or we might say... Sometimes voices get out of tune, right? <laughs> there. But sometimes when we hear notes that don't quite feel right together, there's actually a purpose. Uh, musically, that's referred to as minor chords or diminished chords. They're meant to go together, though they feel a little awkward. They feel like a tension. And you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever watched a TV show or a movie where everything's going along just fine, but all of a sudden, just because of the music, you know someone's about to die, <laughs> right? It's because they're probably playing a diminished chord or 
uh, a minor chord. So let's go back to Jesus Loves Me. Imagine if it sounded like this. Feels just a little different, doesn't it? What's going on here? It creates a different mood. It creates a different emotion, right? Now, dissonance can be something you do on purpose, but it also can be something you do on accident, uh, and it doesn't sound quite right. When we do dissonance on purpose, it creates a different mood. And I would argue that we need a little dissonance in the church from time to time. Voices that are challenging us. I think of the prophets of the Old Testament. Those were dissonant voices. I think of Jesus and his conflict with the Pharisees, right? Sometimes that got a little dissonant. Uh, sometimes I think about the early church and the struggle. Are, are we a Jewish phenomenon or a Gentile phenomenon? How we work out those things, it creates a little tension, right? Uh, there was a, a Jewish scholar by the name of Maimonides who said, Be not a whisper that is lost in the wind. Be a voice that is heard above the storms of life. I think that's dissonant. Now, when, when dissonance isn't something that's desirable, we just call that cacophony. We just call that noise, right? It's just noise. It doesn't serve a purpose. It's just making noise, right? Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of human, human beings and angels but have not love, I'm a clanging gong, right? I'm just making noise. I'm not adding to the harmony. I'm not creating dissonance. I'm just creating noise. Sometimes we do that because we need attention. Sometimes we do that because our voices aren't trained. Sometimes we do that just because we're crying out for help, right? It's just singing out a tune. Rowan Williams says, deep down, we are attuned to God. Already you're there. Deep down, we're attuned to God. But we have jarred the harmonies in numerous ways. We are out of tune. The trouble is then is that what we listen to is the out of tuneness. The out of tuneness becomes what's normal. Now I want to take this even just a bit further. Uh, anybody listen to jazz music? So in high school, I was in a, in a, a jazz band. I used to play trombone. Uh, and I was never great at jazz. Uh, I always played the parts that were written on the page to the best that I can. But there were certain members of the jazz band who were given solo parts. And in jazz, the solo part isn't written out for you. It's called improvisation, right? The, the, the instrumentalist stands up, the soloist stands up, and then everybody kind of plays softer. And then the lead soloist, they make it up. Like they're literally inventing the song as they go. That's what improv is. You've seen this in any kind of a jazz club you've ever gone to. Or uh, if you've ever been to a rock show, the lead guitar playing, the, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, riff on their guitar. Or, or if you ever listen to soul music, there's sort of those vocal riffs that, that singers often do. It's not on the page. It wasn't written. They just know that there's room for freedom of expression. Now, here's the thing. When we played in the jazz band, and as the really good musician was playing the solo, and I was playing the part, I was playing what was written on my page, whereas the soloist was playing what they were making up as they went. What everybody else may not have realized is that we're playing by the same rules, right? That even as this person is experimenting and creating on the spot, they're still playing within 
the boundaries of the music. There's a certain key that we're playing in. There's a certain rhythm, a certain tempo, a certain pace that they have to know the rules to do it. In fact, the soloist who's improvising has to know the rules better probably than anybody else so that they know the freedom they have to create. It's all within boundaries. I had a preaching professor who used to love to say, you have to know the basic rules of preaching so that you know when to break them most effectively. I love that. By the way, I break them constantly. (laughs) But I know them. We were steeped in them, right? We live in a nation, right, where we say this is a land of freedom. Yet we also have laws, don't we? That somehow we believe that the laws that we all obey and agree to somehow create a place where we can be free together. Spiritually, there's a lot of talk about freedom. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You and I are given tremendous freedom to live our lives in ways that are kind of improvisational. Who we marry, where we live, what careers we do how we pursue God devotionally, whether we come to church or not, what church we want to attend, how involved we are, how we live out each of our unique callings, how we live out our ethics and morals. There's a lot of freedom in that. We all improvise every day. And yet God has also provided the boundaries. We have commandments. We have the teachings of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living within us and pricking our conscience when we do something wrong. We have the wise counsel of others around us. See, that's good improvisation. Freedom to express yourself. Boundaries to kind of help you know where to live within that freedom. Michael Curry says, we can build on some time-tested paths to spirituality and faith that have worked in the past And that can evolve for the realities of today. You know the other thing that I've observed about the folks that are very best as solo artists, improvisational solo artists, usually they're the ones who've likely practiced the rudiments the most. They can play an improvisational solo because they've played scales thousands of times. And so the rules are become ingrained, right? Scripture talks about that. God says, I'm going to write my law on their hearts, right? It becomes second nature. We can live our lives in complete freedom because the teachings of Christ become so much a part of who we are. When I used to do karate, uh, we would go over the same punches and strikes and kicks Every single time. The ones I learned in my first class, we still did in my very last class. And my instructor used to say, I'm trying to create muscle memory. If you're ever in a situation where you have to use this, I don't want you to think about how to throw a punch. I want you to know how to throw a punch, right? I had another instructor in karate who used to say, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. He'd make us do it over and do it right. Why? He wanted committed to muscle memory the right way to do it. That's what jazz musicians do. They commit it to muscle memory. Well, I think we could do that spiritually as well. As we grow, as we mature, we can commit these things to muscle memory, our spiritual muscles, so that we can live them out in incredible freedom. So here's the analogy. I want to follow, follow the metaphor we've done just a minute, done with this with Jesus Loves Me. 
Melody is just the beginning. It's the invitation into the song. So Jesus loves me as melody. It's just hearing the song, learning the song, imitating the song. We can live there spiritually, but I think we're invited to more. There's harmony. multiple parts, multiple voices sung together, played together, creating richer, deeper beauty, just like when we offer our different talents and abilities and aptitudes and perspectives. Sometimes there's a place for dissonance. It's that voice among us that catches our attention. We should be listening to this person. They may be telling us something we need to hear. Sometimes it's just noise. And then finally, that if we grow, as we learn these things, we can learn how to be improvisational in the way that we follow Christ. Creating something new and harmonious and beautiful that we hadn't considered before. So when you think about your spiritual life, What tune are you playing? And who are you playing with? Let's pray. So Lord, thank you for the gift of music, for the way it touches us, the way it moves us, the way it inspires us, the ways that it calms us, the ways that it riles us up, the ways it helps us go to sleep. Lord, thank you for songs that live in our hearts that we may not even remember that are there, and yet they come to us from time to time when we need them. And Lord, thank you that you sing over us joyfully. Uh, Help us to hear the song, Lord. Help us to join our voices. Help us to find freedom in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.